Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to part three of our Jonah series here on the College Age Movement podcast. Uh, the last two weeks, we, we talked about the first two chapters in the book of Jonah, and what I want to do is just recap those two chapters really, really quick, and then we will jump into some content uh, here this week. So, so first of all, um, Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament that God called to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it because it was incredibly sinful and it was just living this this life that God was not proud of. And so he wanted Jonah to go to the city and he wanted to warn them that if they did not change their ways that God was going to bring destruction. But Jonah was afraid and Jonah was prideful and he didn't want to go do that. So instead he actually tried to, to flee the exact opposite direction. He, he boarded a ship for the city of Tarshish, which geographically was as far away from Nineveh as he could possibly get. And, and he tried to run, but God sent a storm on the sea. The storm was threatening to, to destroy the ship. So the sailors threw Jonah overboard. The sea calmed down and Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. And while Jonah is in the belly of the whale, he learns a ton about himself. He learns a ton about his purpose. And then after this, this prayer that he offers up to God, uh, the fish spits him onto dry land. And that is where we will pick up. But a couple of things that I want to touch base or, or go back and just talk about that we talked about the last couple of weeks um, are one, imperfect yet chosen. That the God knew that Jonah was imperfect, but he chose him anyway. And I think that we need to understand that we are imperfect, but God chooses us anyway. Too often we disqualify ourselves because of our messiness and our brokenness, but Jesus is not worried about, about us being per- perfect. He's worried about us being purposed. And God wants to use us even in our mess. So we need to understand that we are imperfect, but God chooses us anyway. And then we also talked about the, the fact that there's a cost to running. And, and so often that cost isn't to us. It's to, uh, the cost is to the people around us, that, that they're going to miss out on something if we do not uh, approach the call of God and say yes to it. And then another way that it costs us something when we run from the call of God is this, is that it's not something that God necessarily takes away from us that we already possess, but that he's standing on the other side of that call and he has something for us. And when we run away from that call, God cannot hand us the thing that he wants to give us. And then we also talked about the belly of the whale, it not being an ideal place to be, but it was absolutely an ideal place to learn. That Jonah absolutely did not want to be in that situation, but he also found in that circumstance so many things about himself, and he grew so much. And so many of us ask ourselves why we've been in a situation for so long or why we've been in a situation at all. And my plea to you would be to look at any circumstance that you're in, any situation that you're in, and understand that there is something that you can learn there. There's some way that you can grow there and that you will come out of it stronger and better than you went in because God is giving you an opportunity to learn, to learn about your call, to learn about yourself, and to learn about him. So today we're going to pick up in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And it says this, it says, then the, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. So the first point is this, expect God to call again. I think that one of the coolest things about God is that he makes a habit of not giving up on us. And he also makes a habit of not giving up on the call that he has for us. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I just don't see God as someone who throws his hands up in defeat when we say no the first time that God is going to know, he's going to be so, so tuned in to who we are that he will ask time and time again, and he will ask in different ways, and he will do whatever he can to make us say yes 
to his call because he knows that he has something for us, that if we would say yes to the call that he's placed on our lives and the things that he's asking us to do, that our lives would be so much fuller. And so God is going to come and he's going to ask time and time again. It's also important to know that God knows a thing or two about timing. In this story, he, he asked Jonah again at a very specific time, and that time was right after the whale right after the whale, right after the circumstance, right after the growth, right after the discovery of who Jonah was, God asked again. And whatever your whale may be, whatever your circumstance may be, know that God might just ask something of you on the back end of it. That after you've grown and after you've discovered things about yourself and discovered discovered things about God, that he's going to make the ask again because he knows that you might be just a little bit more likely to say yes this time around. I think that too often we see things as ironic when God sees them as divine. I don't know how many times in my life I've looked and I've been like, hey, I've been praying about this person. I've been praying about the circumstance. And then all of a sudden there that person is. And you've probably been there too, where you're like, wow, like I was just thinking about that person. Or I was just thinking about maybe doing something like this. And we think, man, the irony in that. And I think God sees the divinity in it. And he sees that there's something specific that we need to see. There's some person that we need to, to run into that will, will be a catalytic experience for us to start doing things along the lines that God would have us do them. You see, when God decides to use a situation, I think it's also important that we realize uh, that it's not just about us being taught, but it's also for the benefit of other people. So it's not just for our own benefit, but it's also for the benefit of other people. Like Jonah learned some very important things in the belly of the fish, but what he learned about himself was going to be even more beneficial for the people of Nineveh. That because of his growth in the belly of the whale, because of his growth in the unfortunate circumstance, that thousands of people's lives were going to be saved because he was going to eventually say yes to the call that God placed on his life. So we're going to move on to that, that this idea of Jonah saying yes in Jonah chapter 3, verse 3, just the first part of it. It says that Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Very simple. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. So the second point is this, is that obedience delayed is still obedience. A lot of us struggle with the idea that we already missed our chance to obey God. And I just want to reassure you that your obedience does not mean less to God today than it did last week or last month or last year or even five years ago that your obedience has not lost value. You see, the beauty of a relationship with Christ is that there are no but he's or but she's attached to your life. No asterisks, no caveats. That God sees obedience as just that, obedience. And when we say yes to Jesus, the response is always joy, always. That that God does not put a 50% mark down on our obedience because it took us longer to say yes to him. It reminds me of a time when I got the incredible opportunity to be a part of this guy's baptism. And, I, and this is a, an experience I don't think I'll ever forget. But I remember having a conversation with him beforehand and we talked about his life and, and he told me all of the things that he had gone through and all of the things that he had, he had done and the mistakes and the messiness and the brokenness were, were almost too much to bear in this like 20 minute conversation. And my head was swimming and his head was swimming. And over the course of 40 years, he had done a lot of messed up things. But one of the phrases that he used will always stick out to me. And he said, I've always known that God was real. Like even when I was a kid, I went to church and I, and I, I knew that there were things that I, I should have done. I should have surrendered my life to Jesus and I should have been baptized. And then he said the statement, I should have done this a long time ago. 
and he you could just see the guilt just weighing his shoulders down and what an incredible opportunity it was for me to look at him and say but you're doing it today and even though God would have loved for you to have done this a long time ago and saved yourself the pain that you caused he's so happy that you're making this decision today And I think that a lot of us need to hear that, that we look at our past and we look at things that God called us to a while ago and we said, we we don't think that we can be obedient anymore because we missed the boat. But the delay in our obedience does not make it less valuable. But what it does is if if we were obedient immediately, we would save ourselves from pain. We would save ourselves from hurt, from from broken relationships, from, from broken pursuits, that Jesus, if we would have said yes to Jesus first, that he would, have, he would have kept us from so much of that. It's only, for our, only to our own detriment that we do not obey Jesus immediately. So my prayer is that, that we'd be a people who do not delay, and we say yes to Jesus today, and that, that we would just run full speed ahead in obedience to who God is, because it's not just about uh, our obedience and, and when we do it, but it's about everything that happens after our obedience to God and all of the things that God wants to do for us. So then Jonah chapter 3, the second part of verse 3 into verse 4, says this. It says, Now Nineveh was a very large city, and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And isn't it interesting that the length of time that it took to walk through the city was the same amount of time that Jonah spent inside the whale? I don't think that that was irony either. I think God did it specifically. The difficult thing that Jonah had to do would have already been done had he simply obeyed the first time. We too often wrestle with God over the time his call will take or the difficulty that's involved in his call or the stress that it will cause us if we say yes to the call that God has placed on our lives. But I think that we need to realize that with God, we will be on the other side of that call looking back and saying like, man, that, that wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Now that doesn't mean that, that we won't be on the front end of the next call, but when we have a posture of obedience in the first ask, we will start to see ourselves, see our lives become purposed and powerful. So like, let's not be a people that focus on, on the difficulty or the stress or the time that it may take. And also just understand that if God has called us to it, he's going to bring us directly through it that with him, we will be standing on the other side of it and we will be ready for the next call and we'll be confident in the next call because Jesus helped us get through the one before that. And sometimes the things that God calls you to will be incredibly difficult and incredibly painful. But, But wouldn't we rather be a people who say, that was hard, but look what God did through it. Look what God did in it. Look look at the lives that were changed because of the difficulty of that thing. Like I, I think that we would way rather say that than man, that looked hard. And so we didn't do it. Like, I, want, I wonder what God could have done if we would have said yes. Like, I don't want to be that. I want to say, man, that was hard. Man, that was painful. And God showed up. Not that looked hard. I didn't do it. I wonder if God would have showed up. And then the story of Jonah continues to go on in the next two verses, verses five and six. And it says this, it says, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. So the next point is this, is that sometimes we just need someone to say something. Sometimes we just need someone to say something. 
Like, do you think that the Ninevites had no idea that what they were doing was sinful, that the lives that they were leading were were not the, the lives that they should have been living, Like that the inside they weren't aware of the brokenness that they were creating? Like, of course they did. They knew that what they were doing was wrong. They knew that, that the sexual exploits or, or the assaults or the murder or whatever it was that was happening in that city, worshiping idols, they knew that that was wrong. There was something inherent within them that knew that it was wrong. But they did it in any way. And it, it just think it reminds me of things that that we do today. Like, do we not know that the things that we do are sinful? Of course we do. We all have sin in our lives where where we're thinking about doing it. We know we shouldn't do it, but we do it anyway. Or we do it, and then we feel bad about it. But then we try to justify it. We we so easily justify our own sin, and then look at the other people in our lives, and their sin is is unjustifiable. And sometimes we just need someone else to call us out for us to recognize the depths of our sin. Like Jonah was the voice that that had the opportunity to speak into the city of Nineveh. They knew what they were doing was wrong, but they needed somebody to come in and say, hey, what you are doing is wrong. And for some reason, that was the switch. That was the, the light bulb in that culture. And I think what's amazing is that we get to be the voice of the, that voice. We get to be that voice to those in our lives. We get the opportunity to speak into people's lives and call them out. We also get to be the voice of each other. That in our communities, in our church, at College Age Movement, at Faith Chapel, whatever church you may attend, whatever your community of believers is, that you get to call each other out on the things that we are doing. You get to, to point out triumphs, but you also get to point out failures and you get to say like, hey, Let's make sure to not do that anymore. And I think on the flip side, we have to be willing to listen. That it's not just about speaking into, not just about speaking into other people's lives, but it's about allowing other people who love Jesus to speak into ours. But as we think about this, I think that it can get a really be a really fine line. It can get really sketchy. Like we're we're trying to be the voice into people's lives. We're trying to be the voice into each other's lives. That this idea of calling people out on their sinful ways and it it can just get really really messy. And so there's just two things I want to say. First is this: is that God could have sent a message without Jonah, but He knew Jonah had a lesson to learn. God could have sent a message without Jonah, but He knew Jonah had a lesson to learn. Many things can be done without us. Maybe even better if we weren't the ones doing it. But remember that God isn't concerned with perfection, but with purpose. He understood that, that Jonah might not have been qualified to speak into the city, but that's who he wanted to do it. And he could have showed up. He could have used his loud, booming voice and spoke into the city of Nineveh and said, hey, shape up or else destruction is coming. You will be overthrown. But he didn't. He specifically sent Jonah for a reason. And I think it's important for us to understand that, that instead of unqualifying ourselves, that we would know that we're being sent for a very specific reason, that we are being purposed, and that God isn't worried about us having all the right words or all the right actions, but just that we would walk in purpose with Jesus Christ. And number two, when it comes to this idea of speaking into people's lives, just remember this, is that your voice carries more weight when relationship is involved. And I cannot stress this enough. Your voice carries more weight when relationship, when, when relationship is involved. It's way too, too easy for us to hear, I'm supposed to go tell people about the things that they're doing wrong in their lives and just go do it. Because just because Jonah walked into a city and declared imminent destruction doesn't mean that you get to walk into somebody's life and declare destruction. 
love people first, love people first and challenge them second. A relationship is incredibly vital as we we think of this idea of speaking into people's lives, that if you try to speak into somebody's life that you have no relationship with, they have no reason to listen to you. There is no point for me to walk into a group of people that do not know me and say, hey, you need to change your lifestyle. You need to stop doing that. You need to stop doing this. And they will ask me why. And I'll say, because Jesus said so. And they're going to say, well, I don't follow Jesus. So that doesn't really apply to me. And I don't know who you are. And I don't know if you love me. And I don't know if you respect me. And I don't know if you even care about me. So why would I take your advice? We need to love people first. We need to build relationship with people. We need to make sure that we are embracing them and surrounding them with, with, a, with a healthy culture when it comes to Jesus and it comes to church. Because as a follower of Jesus, we need to help introduce other people to him. We need to help introduce other people to him. I will never convict somebody. I will never save somebody. That is not my job. I am not the savior Jesus is. My job is to love somebody so much and be an example to them so clearly that they want to know the God that I serve. So make sure that a relationship is always involved, that we love people first, and then we challenge them second. If they decide to follow Jesus, and they decide to surrender their life to Jesus, then we can have those conversations. We can say, hey, as a brother in Christ, I'm seeing these things in your life, and I think that you need to to take a step back and really assess that specific situation. But until then, love them first, introduce them to Jesus, and when they surrender their lives to Jesus, then decide to challenge them. I think another way that we can really be in relationship and and really, really uh, benefit from each other is by showing our mess, by showing our mess. Some of the most powerful words that we will ever speak are me too. That too often we do not confess our sin. Too often we live in secrecy because we think that we're the only one struggling with something. We are the only one who's ever done this and we aren't. There are people who have come before us. There are people currently walking beside us that are struggling with many of the same things. They might be struggling with it in a different way, but man, if we would just show our mess and show our brokenness and be willing to be vulnerable with one another, we would change our city. We would change our state. We would change our world because instead of trying to walk around and look like perfect Christians, instead we'd look like people who are broken and messy and we're trying to follow Jesus with everything that we have, but we make mistakes. Hey, come along with us. And then lastly, just know this, and I want you to hear this so incredibly clearly, that the greatest sermon you ever preach will not be heard. It will be seen. That it's not about putting together a point and subpoint sermon and standing on a stage and preaching into the lives of people. There is value in that, absolutely. But the most powerful sermon that you will ever preach will be seen. It will be your life. It will be the way that you carry yourself. It will be the way that you treat people. It will be the way that you speak to people. And we have to be aware of that. It is not about a constructed sermon. It's about this life that God has called us to live. So let's just make sure that as we are speaking into people's lives, when we get that call and we get that opportunity to speak into somebody's life, would we be so aware of the fact that relationship needs to be at the foundation, that we need to love people first and we need to challenge them second, and that we should always know that our job isn't to convict people. Our job is to introduce people to Jesus and allow him to work in their lives as he sees fit. Thank you so much for tuning in to the third part of our Jonah series. We will be back next week with part four.